Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. I grew up with an idiom. The idiom says something like this, take the, take the, uh, the tell, uh, <laughs> take the, uh, I, I can't get my idioms right, uh, take the, the bull by the horns, take uh, life by the tail, get control of it, uh, and, 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 and master it. Almost like carpe diem kind of mentality. Uh, and with that idiom, you, you step into the day and you think it's going to go this certain way. I'm going to do this. It's like going to the amusement park. It's like I've got these great big plans and expectations until not, not only do you not have the bull by the horns or the, the animal by the tail, it has you and it's swinging you around. Okay, and all of a sudden, you move from what my expectations were going to be about my day in my life, my season, to all of a sudden, I'm in the ER. And so, that's not the life that you want. But I'm, I'm imagining the roller coaster ride that you might find yourself on from time to time is this is not the ride that I want to be on. This is not the pace I want to go. This is not how I want to live my life. It's unsustainable. It's, it's hurried. It's rushed. It's, it's pressurized. There's, there's levels of stress and anxiety. But yet in a world that's moving so fast, there is this need for speed. There is this need to, to constantly be growing and learning and becoming, because if you ever get behind, then you will become irrelevant. You'll become out of date. And so therefore we, we have this, this, this urge, this fight, this, this, this calling, I don't know if you want to call it, passion inside of us to keep moving faster and faster and faster. And what it does in the end is leave us emotionally exhausted. It leaves us short-tempered. It leaves us without margin. So therefore we don't have space for what we say we believe to be most important. I, I can't make it to the gym today because something else again has got on my calendar. I can't give to that worthy good cause because I've mar- I don't have any margin in my finances to give out because I've spent it other places. I missed my time with God again today because, listen, the notifications on my phone when I woke up were overwhelming and I just don't have time for God today. Life is hurried and frazzled at the same time. It's pressure and it's unrelenting. One good godly counselor said it like this, the number one problem you will face is time. People are just too busy to live emotionally healthy and spiritually rich and vibrant lives. We're just too busy to live emotionally healthy, spiritually rich, in vibrant lives. And how do you get out of that? How do you get off the ride when the ride seems to be spinning out of control? I, I heard a story of a missionary who was taking his Western mindset over to Africa. And when he got to Africa, he 
packed up all of his contents. He got, he hired helpers to help carry his contents as he was moving from one, one capital city to his final place of, uh, where he was going to do ministry. And he was moving diligently through the day. And as long as he could, he was pushing, pushing, pushing. The very first day, everyone got to the camp. They were tired. They set up camp. They got up the next morning. The, the, the missionary was putting all the things back in the bags to, to go, to, to move on to the final, the, the final location. But the nationals weren't moving. They were just sitting. And they said this whenever he was getting a little agitated. Hey, come on, let's go. It's time to go. It's time to go. The nationals said, we've got to give a second. We've got to give some time for our spirit to catch up with our body. And the reality is that sometimes we are moving at such breakneck speeds that our spirits aren't keeping up with our bodies. How is your communion with Jesus? We talked about this last week. It all ties together. Believe you, it does tie together. We talked about it, and I asked you a survey question. You phoned in your answers, and 65% of you came back and said, my relationship with Jesus, my communion, my union with Jesus is either emerging or thriving. Which, again, self-identified, this is not a scientific survey, I want to put all those disclaimers on there, but at least gets you thinking about you and where you are in your communion with Jesus. And I am encouraged to hear a lot of you saying in your soul, yes, I'm, I'm not there yet, but I'm on my way there, I'm, I have forward progress in the right direction. Or you're saying, no, man, I, I am really doing the disciplines. I'm, I'm walking with Jesus. I'm thriving in my, in my relationship with Jesus. So I look at that number and I say, Grace Point, keep it up, whatever it is. And maybe add some more to it because that's what this series is about. Not just adding on to adding on, but to help you to stay strong through the seasons of life. Now, 28% of you did say that you're stalled. So what will it take for you to start moving in the right direction? What would it take for you to, to make uh, a sizable movement forward? That communion with Jesus, as we talked about last week, is, is as we deal with the circle of life here. I, I, when I say the circle of life, it's not Lion King music playing in the background, I promise. It is this communion with Jesus that speaks of Bible intake, Bible memorization, and empowered prayer. Now, I told you it was not going to be some cute uh, uh, statements that, that we're going to make. I'm going to try to make it as simple as possible. But in each one of these quadrants about your inner world and your outer world and how your inner world is functioning will be so empowering to your outer world. But let's not talk about the outer world yet. We'll start that next week. The point is, is I want us to focus on the inner world because if we don't get the inner world right, then we will miss it. And a part of the disciplines or the rhythms or the cadences or the rules of life that we need to build into our everyday communion with God is that I'm going to not just, I'm not just going to read this book. I'm actually going to intake it into my life in such a way that it becomes a part of how I think, how I see life, how I make decisions. But not only that, I'm going to saturate, intake means to saturate, that I want to saturate and I'm going to memorize God's word. 
I'm going to have it in the morning, in the night. I'm going to have it with me 24-7, and I'm not going to lose it. And because of that, I will now be informed. My mind will be shaped. My heart will be shaped to, to the heart of God. And I can take that and let it inform and empower my prayer. And I promise you, there's no better way to have empowered prayer than to pray the Scriptures. But if you don't know the Scriptures, if you have not taken the Scriptures in, then you will not have that. So communion with God is absolutely fundamental uh, to the whole conversation. Now, sequence matters. When I say it starts with communion, it starts with communion. So assess, where is your communion with God? What it's going to take to build on that communion. Those three pillars, those three keystone habits need to be a part of you. Maybe you're not doing any of them, add one of them. Just start one of them and then start building from there. Um, But let's talk about the second one, serenity. Serenity is something that we want. Serenity is something that we long for. It's another word for peace. We want peace. We want serenity. We want calmness. We want that non-anxious presence as we live out our life, as we're on the roller coaster going crazy. How do I get to that level? Well, you're not going to get to that level without communion. Communion, out of communion flows that serenity that we're looking for. In fact, life principle for you, any serenity that does not flow out of a communion with Jesus is an artificial serenity. Do you have artificial serenity? Something that you you get from some other means? But listen, it comes from communion. Jesus is the prince of peace. So if I'm wanting peace, I'm wanting serenity, I'm going to get it through my union and communion with Jesus. But when I come to serenity, don't miss this here. That there are, the the things that I will mention today, the, the, the three elements, the three keystone habits, the three, again, rhythms, rules, disciplines of life, these three are probably not going to be the most attractive. They're words like solitude and silence, Sabbath and fasting. This is what Dallas Horner calls the, the abstinence discipline. The abstinence discipline is where I actually don't do something. I say no to something. I turn off something. I move away from something. And in a world in which everything is get, 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 when I start backing away and I start saying no, 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 it's going to cause me to live countercultural. It's going to cause me to do things differently than most everybody else. When you think about these, these, these are, this is what uh, Willard said about these disciplines. These three are the central disciplines of abstinence, long practiced by followers of Jesus to help them find and keep solid footing in the kingdom that cannot be moved. In the midst of a busy and productive life or even in a life of trial, conflict, and frustration. Now, you might be in that busy, productive life in that season. You might be in that trial, conflict, frustration season. And I will say this to you as emphatically and as passionately and as compassionately as I can. Silence and solitude. Sabbath. Fasting. Are beautiful, powerful disciplines that have got to be a part of your life. They've got to be. To make it through this world well. To be emotionally, 
well, to be spiritually able to handle the temptations and the struggles that will come your way. Take your Bibles and let's look at Mark chapter 1. I want you to start looking, even in this text, for Jesus being shaped by a different rhythm. You'll see silence, you'll see solitude. I think you'll even see a bit of a Sabbath in here. You'll see a denying of self, which is a form of, which is really what fasting is. It says, rising very early in the morning, verse 30, 35. Very early in the morning, while it's still dark, he departed and he went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him, and they said, everyone is looking for you. Now, let me just say this, that is your world as well. As soon as you commit to a desolate place to the time for prayer, you will have everybody looking for you. You will have notifications that will light up your phone. You will have reminders that will come your way. You will have kids that will come in. You'll have the world falling apart around you. The world will come looking for you. And I like how Simon Peter, one of his closest disciples, was right in there. So even good people. Trusted people are going to come looking for you. They found him. They said, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach also there also. That is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. What is your cadence? What does it mean for you to have a rhythm and a discipline to commune with Jesus and to be with him? There is a cadence, if you want to call it that. There is a discipline in my soul and life. It's part of Lori and I's soul and rhythms of life. And I hope that you would even think about this, that God needs our first. He deserves our first. He deserves our best. Our first of anything and our best of everything. Does he have your first of anything and your best of everything? Give God the first day out of every week. Give God the first moments out of every day. Give God the first dime out of every dollar and the first consideration out of every decision. Now, you've, if you've been at Grace Point any length of time, you've heard me say this again and again because this is literally a process, a rhythm, a keystone habit of my life that if I'm giving God my first and my best, that is literally what, what, what that means to me is that he gets the first, first of my week, first of my day, first of my dollars, first of my, my thoughts, first of, of, of my decisions. But how that's going to roll out in my life is that I'm going to have to, listen to this, listen to this, stop before I start. Now, I know in our world, we go until we drop dead. We go until we crash. We grow until we burn out. Stop. Time out. Stop before you start. Don't start and then stop. This is not just a wordplay here. 
Notice how Jesus starts his day. He starts his day by stopping. He stops the noise. He stops the crowds. He stops the demands. So stop before you start. And the very first thing that you see Jesus doing is he stops the noise. He stops the noise. He turns it off. He is intentional about that. Blaise Pascal said it like this, all of man's problems stem from his inability to sit quietly in a room alone. To just be alone. Just you and your thoughts. Just you and God. TikTok. I know you probably didn't think you'd come to church and hear about TikTok. But TikTok came out with a, or somebody published on TikTok a a video that has kind of gone viral. A concept that has gone viral. And the concept is interesting that even though it's big on TikTok today, it was also modeled in Jesus' life. It's called silent walking. Have you all heard of silent walking? So when you take the earpods out, you take the phones and you, you, you put them in the, in the house and you, 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 you literally, you walk away from all noise and distractions and, and, and you literally would go take a walk, hit a trail without your phone, without texting, without jamming to Daft Punk, harder, better, faster, stronger, or any of the, anything else. A podcast, you turn it all off and you just go out and you just walk. Now, 35 million views of this one TikTok video, uh, and that was in September when I first learned about this. But since then, health professions have come out and have even published articles on this whole concept of silent walking. And they say it's going to reduce your stress. It's going to clarify your thoughts. It's going to increase your gratefulness. Jesus was doing it in the first century. Verse 35 again. And rising early before morning, while it's still dark, he departed and he went to a desolate place. And there he prayed. He went to a desolate place. A place when he could be alone, when nobody else was there, and there were no phones, there were no notifications. He was alone, just he and the Father. In the silence, in the solitude of that moment. Now, listen, this is not a one off of Jesus. This is a pattern of Jesus. This is a keystone habit of Jesus. This is a rhythm of Jesus. This is a discipline of Jesus. I'm using all those words that we talked about last week. This is a trellis of Jesus. Because in Matthew chapter 14, we see him doing it at another time. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain. I love Jesus as a mountain climber. By himself to pray. And the evening came and he was there all alone. Now, as an introvert, I had to underline that last verse, that that, that phrase, by himself. The idea of pulling back away from the noise and the crowds, sending his disciples in a boat to the other side, and he was going to join them. And all of this is going on. But what is Jesus doing? He's pulling out of the madness. He's getting out of the craziness. He's coming aside. But here's the thing, and I've heard people say this. The silence kills them. The silence is deafening. That silence 
They're uncomfortable with it. And it's just them. Science frightens us because it casts us up on the mark of the stark realities of our life. It reminds us of death. It reminds us of being with God and God alone. What if there's very little between God and I? And you're all of a sudden in the silence and it's just you and God. Is there much there? Is there a sweetness there? Is there communion that's there? That's where it's going to happen. A great book, and again, we have a resource page that's out there. We're updating it week by week, adding more and more resources to it because there's no way we're covering all of this in four weeks and we're all going to be fit as a fiddle and being able to get our lives all, all, all lined up. This is an ongoing thing, okay? This book right here, Ruthless Elimination of Her, is probably the, the book of the day, okay? Though he draws so much of his content from, from people before him, he has really done a great job putting the cookies on the bottom shelf. So if you're looking for a great starter, then that, this book right here would be one. But John Mark Homer points out in a study that was done by Microsoft that when young adults don't have anything else to do, 77% of them will reach for their phone. When there's nothing else to do, nothing else going on, we grab our phones. Listen, we are tethered to one of the most destructive, constructive, but destructive elements of silence and solitude. Silence and solitude. Frederick Meyer said it like this. He said, the written word is the wire along which the voice of God will certainly come to you if the heart is hushed and attention is fixed. And that attention in our ADD world, that attention staying focused is so hard, especially when you have noises over here. Shutting the world off, focusing the attention Silence and solitude gives you the space for that. Bonhoeffer, who's founded a seminary in Germany before World War II, when he established the seminary, his commitment was is that every student would have to take 30 minutes of silence every day. They would literally have to be alone. They would have to turn everything off. They'd have to be alone with Scripture. This is how Bonhoeffer in his own life and how he handled the Word of God. He would take one passage of Scripture, maybe for you this week. It is going to be Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 39. And you're just going to read it and read it and meditate on it. And that's what you're going to take to your silence and solitude every single day. This is what Bonhoeffer said. I read it. Uh, in the morning and in the evening and often during the day as well. Every day I consider a text which I have chosen. For the whole week I try to sink deeply into it. So as really I hear what it is saying, I know that without this I could not live properly any longer. The whole idea of taking one text, taking it into silence and solitude and just letting God Speak, capturing that one thought, that one call to action, that one observation that you need to dive into and peel back. So before you start your day, stop. 
Even if it's moments, if you can only give 30 minutes, give 30 minutes. If you can only give 15, give 15. But start building rhythms into your life of silence and solitude. Stop the noise. Number two, stop to rest. Stop to rest. Sabbath. Not exactly a word that we throw around in our culture today. Over the, over the years, over the decades, Coca-Cola has had a lot of ad campaigns. But in 1929, they had an ad campaign that just said this, the pause that refreshes. The pause that refreshes. You remember the day, maybe you don't, maybe you're not old enough, but I can remember when you used to buy Coke, it was in a glass bottle, and you drank the bottle, you drank the contents at the, at the store where you bought the, the bottle because you had to leave the bottle. Is he, am I the only old one in the room that remembers that? Okay. All right. So talk to your parents and your grandparents about it. Uh, but Lily, you had to buy the bottle if you're going to walk away. So you had to pause if you're going to drink a Coke. So the pause that refreshes, I want to say that Sabbath is the pause that refreshes. That is the deep pause. Now, I know we've all heard about the Great Commandment. It's one of our goals. Well, it's one of our mission statements. We've all heard about the Great Commission. That's one of, our, one of our value statements. We get our values from the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. It is what we are about as, a great, as, as, as Grace Point Church. But have you heard about the Great Invitation? The great invitation comes in the scriptures before the great commandment and before the great commission. In Matthew 11, it says, Come to me, all who are labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. This word rest is not just take a nap, okay? It's not just uh, binge on Netflix. It's not what the concept is. You can rest that way. This is a deeper soul rest. The Greek word here is, is used of restoring and refreshing and reviving the, the very person of who you are. So it, it, it is deeper than a nap. It's deeper than a day off. It's so much more than that. It is where my soul rests in God and I find my rest in Him and I turn off the world out there. The disciples in a time when they were in intense ministry. Jesus had commissioned them to go out and, 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 and to evangelize. He had commissioned them to go out and do miracles. He had commissioned them and they'd come back with many great stories. And in that same chapter, one of their patriarchs, John the Baptist, is murdered for being a Christian. Beheaded. All of that happens in this chapter. And then you find what Jesus does in that moment in Mark 6, 31. Come away by yourselves to a desolate place. Think silence and solitude. And rest a while. Rest. Allow your soul to be restored and renewed and refreshed. Allow the Spirit of God to work in you and the work of Jesus to happen inside of you. This is in the imperative command here. It's rest. That's not an option of Jesus. 
It's a call for us to come aside and rest. Sabbath is a rest-filled spiritual serenity of the body, the mind, and the soul. Now, how does that work for me? It works maybe differently for different people. But the value of this for me, I am a hamster on a hamster wheel. And unless I force myself to rest, I won't. I will go until I crash. And I'm still working on this. But what happens on my phone at 5 o'clock on Friday afternoons, I have a little Sabbath button in there. I chose the icon of a gift. My phone goes to Sabbath mode. And very few people can text me in that space. From, from, seven, uh, from, from 5 o'clock on, on, on Friday evening to 5 o'clock on, on Saturday evening, that is a window of time that I take as Sabbath and I pull back from the craziness. Social media is, is way back on my phone. I have to intentionally go to that to get there. The point is, is that we've got to do things in our life if we're going to build in the rhythms and the cadences because Sabbath is a gift from God. It's a gift. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath, Jesus said. The stamina and the strength of a camel is amazing. I don't know if you've thought much about this. But they can go long distances without rest, long distances without water, until what they do is they drop over and they die. They walk thousands of paces and never seem to tire. Then suddenly they kneel and die. You're not a camel. If you don't take Sabbath, you're grinding yourself into into obliteration. Walter Adams, the spiritual director of C.S. Lewis, said this, To walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. I can get one more email it. I can get one more task done. I can get stop and Sabbath. Stop to turn off the noise. Stop and Sabbath. Number three, stop the indulgences. I know indulgences is not one of those things that we want to stop. But again, in the disciplines of abstinence, the idea of saying no is actually a very healthy thing. The sooner you learn to say no to yourself, the sooner you will get on a track to a healthier self. The sooner you can turn off the passions and the desires and the longings, the better off. Now, fasting, I know, probably immediately goes to just food. It can be a lot of other things, but let's just stick with food for a moment. Because whenever you go to food and you look in the Bible, you find in the beginning of time that there was food. In fact, Adam and Eve were put in the garden and were giving the food. To, to eat, and, and, and they, were, they were told to eat. Every tree except for one. 
They were, they were able to eat. You go to the end of the Bible and you find the marriage feast uh, for all of us who's a child of God in, in heaven. So you've opened the Bible with food. You close the Bible with food. But what the Adam and Eve did not do is they did not say no to their passions and their desires. And they indulged. And ever since then, we have lived in this broken world. And Jesus advocates for fasting. He even tells us, when you fast, don't do this and do this. Jesus himself fasted. Again, we're living out the rhythms of Jesus. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, no doubt. Fasting, another one of the central disciplines, restrains us away from, restrains us away from the dependence upon satisfaction of desires and makes the kingdom of God a vital factor in our concrete existence. The idea of fasting is a part of saying no to self so that I can say yes to what God wants. Listen, Jesus fasted. Christ Jesus was crucified in the flesh with its passions and desires. He pushed it aside. James talks about passions and desires being the very conflict initiator in our, in our marriages in James chapter 1, verse, or in, our, in any of our relationships, James chapter 4, verse 1. James chapter 4, verse 3, he says it's because of our passions and desires that our prayers don't go anywhere. Peter said this, abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. If, some, if we're talking about soul care here, which is really what this message is about, we even said the great invitation is Jesus calling us to rest for our souls. But if we feed our passions like a, like a beast, what are we doing? That beast is warring against our souls. What is it that I need to say no to? For a season. Maybe not forever, but for a season. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. But I discipline, Paul said, I discipline my body and keep it under control. I keep it under control. It's the ability to say no when it's time to say no. If anyone would come after me, Jesus said, that's you and me. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I want to say, a life of following Jesus is a life of giving your life over to him. Saying, God, I'm yours. My thoughts are yours. My mind's yours. My actions are yours. My emotions are yours. I'm going to take everything and I'm going to give it to you. Have you done that? Have you, have you said with all your heart, I'm yours, Jesus? If you haven't, please think about this. In a time of silence and solitude, maybe the very first thing you do is say, Jesus, I hear your voice today and I'm giving myself to you. Don't, don't get caught in the other voices. Listen for that still small voice. We're going to do something right here, right now. We're going to give you, because I know that if I just sent you out the door, you might not take it. But we're actually building it into the service. And we're going to have a time of silence and solitude. 
I want you to take out your notepads. I want you to take out, I want you to put down your phones if that phone is a distraction to you. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to open your eyes. I want you to read these verses. I want, this is your space. Please honor those around you as a time of silence and solitude. And listen. I don't know how I can make it or have made it and if any of you know some anxiety that I've dealt with over the past year or two years if you took silence and solitude away from me the world is still going to be out there And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. You're good people. People in your world are going to look for you. And they found him and everyone is looking for you. Everyone needs you. Everyone wants you. Everyone has a plan for your life. I don't know if you realize that has a plan for your day, has a plan for your time, has a plan for your money. And I love Jesus' response. They were in this one spot doing ministry. But Jesus looked beyond that. In verse 38, it says, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also for that is why I came you know it's realizing that when in there you go into that time of silence and solitude whenever you take that sabbath whenever you fast from the passions and the desires of so many other things that are in this world that want to take over good things nothing wrong with food Nothing wrong with social media. Nothing wrong with sex. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. But sometimes you just got to say no to it all. Create that space. God to speak. And what Jesus did, he got up from that time. He says, you know, this is Mike McDaniel paraphrase. We're moving on. The calling that God placed on my life is to go to the next village. So that they, too, can know what this village knows. And sometimes it's not the noise of that village. It's not the noise of your friends that you need to be listening to. It's the voice of God. But we will never hear it. In our noise, crazy, frantic world. Unless you take the bull by the horns. Unless you take control unless you give God control. No one can come after me unless he deny himself and follow me. Father God, you have spoken. You've spoken through your word today. I believe that you've taken your word from your word. I believe you've used your Holy Spirit 
to speak to hearts and minds in this room. Maybe today, Lord, you even just began to rest, cause people's souls to rest, to find the first glimmer of serenity through communion with you. Father, we give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live Sent.